0: We've just started a summer teaching series that we've called uh, Spirit-Filled, and uh, it's really birthed out of a desire in my heart, and I believe in the Lord's heart, uh, for all of us at Generations Church to just be people of the Spirit, to be people of the Spirit that God has called us to be. Uh, As followers of Jesus, we know that the Holy Spirit is in us, Uh, We talked about that last week of how when we come to faith in Christ, God's Spirit comes to dwell in us. It's what makes us spiritually alive. But while the Holy Spirit is in us, His presence in us and our awareness of His presence in us is actually something that we need to nurture. It's something that we need to cultivate and encourage uh, we sang the, the song, and we're going to sing it at the end, but uh, the, the second verse had the line in it, you know, be the wind in our sails. And, you know, the Holy Spirit, one of the, one of the names of the Holy Spirit in Scripture is wind or, or breath, the, the ruach, the, the, the pneuma of, of God. And, and so the wind blows, but it's our job to hoist the sail. So, so we need to learn how to uh, engage with the Holy Spirit and develop uh, this relationship. In fact, Scripture challenges us to do that. You go to a verse like Ephesians chapter five, where Paul says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Uh, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Focus on the spiritual reality of God in your life. Live your life oriented to the Holy Spirit. And the grammatical construction of that verse in the original Greek says that as believers, our lives are to be filled and continually filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing. It's, It's not just an event that happens, but it's actually supposed to be a regular pattern in our lives. An ongoing filling and refilling And so I think if Paul were were here today, he would probably say, hey, don't be drunk with wine or any other intoxicating beverage or any mind or mood-altering substance, but instead be filled with the Spirit and keep on being filled with the Spirit. But what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, Really filled with the Spirit. And so uh, this is is what we're going to talk about uh, this week and, and the next couple of weeks, because here's the thing. Sometimes what we think is the real thing actually can put us off the real thing. Have you ever noticed that? What we think is the real thing sometimes puts us off the real thing. And when it comes to this, this whole area of, of, of being filled with the Spirit, sometimes what we think being spiritual is all about ruins us for what being spiritual is really all about. Let me share a little story here that maybe is a, is a bit of an illustration. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved milk. I loved to drink milk. In fact, we went through so much milk, my, my dad used to say, I think we're going to have to go buy a cow. Uh, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad he didn't, um, as you're going to find out in a, in a moment, but I love milk, and, and I love most dairy products, especially cheese and, 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 and milk and ice cream. In fact, I love summer because summer is ice cream season, isn't it? Do we have any ice cream people in the house here? I mean, like, I mean, and I haven't had, I always have uh, at least one big double scoop of, of rum and raisin ice cream. Now, I, I like the taste. It's not because of the, anyway, I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, because we just talked about don't be, can you get drunk on rum and raisin ice cream? I don't think so. I, I'm safe, okay? I'm safe, okay? So, I you know, I, I loved all stuff like that. But um, eventually, I stopped kinda of liking milk and, and there's a reason for that. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I had some kids, uh, some friends who lived on a farm and this, this was a real farm in the country with fields and tractors and chickens and cows. And one day I was out on the farm at chore time and uh, they had a couple of cows that they, they milked. And now remember, I was a milk drinker, okay? I loved milk and this was my chance to have milk fresh from the cow. <laughs> so I drugged myself up on antihistamines because I'm allergic to everything on a farm. And uh, I watched my friends do their chores because I was a town kid. I knew nothing about that. I was not getting near those cows. I mean, cows are big and... Well, cows are animals. They're animals. And they smell like animals. I mean, I wasn't getting near those cows, but they filled a couple of buckets full of of fresh milk. I watched them milk the cows and we came into the house. And then before they ran it through the separator, uh, they poured me a glass of this fresh milk. And I took a big sip and I almost spewed it out all over the kitchen because this was not milk. I mean, this, this, this was not milk. This milk was warm. It was warm. And, and, it, and, it, and it had a, it tasted like grass. <laughs> I, I mean, what was up with that? It was foamy and, and it, was, it was creamy. It was totally unlike the 2% homogenized, pasteurized, store-bought milk that I was used to. It wasn't the milk I was used to at all. It wasn't the milk that I liked. In fact, cow milk was terrible. And I remember my friends laughing at me so hard they almost fell over. I, actually, I think their mom was a little ticked at me, a little insulted. But here's the point, if there is a point. Uh, here's the point. Um, sometimes what we think is the real thing puts us off the real thing. Sometimes what we think is the real thing puts us off the real thing. Uh, I mean, we all know where milk comes from, Right? The store! <laughs> well, not really. And we all know what milk tastes like until we taste fresh, unprocessed milk straight from the cow. Now, I know that's kind of a crazy illustration, but, but, but humory. I wonder how many of us think we know what Christian spirituality is all about. Yeah, You know, we we, we think we know what it means to be filled with the Spirit or or to be Spirit-filled, but what if what we think is the real thing isn't really the thing? And, And even worse, what if we think is the real thing has put us off the real thing. How many followers of Jesus have settled for a version of spirituality that is either A, actually very different from what God intends, or B, the homogenized process version of spirituality uh, that we've been exposed to has just turned us off of what God through his spirit actually wants to do and be in our lives? So this morning, I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about some of the misconceptions we sometimes have about being spirit-filled, okay? Misconception number one. I think sometimes we think that being spirit-filled is about emotional or mystical experiences. You know, we live in a culture where spirituality is really important and, and really open, especially here on the West Coast. Uh, On Vancouver Island, in fact, I don't know if you've noticed this, I've noticed this, but the smaller the island, the more spiritual it seems to be. (laughs) Have you ever caught one of those ferries to some of these smaller islands around us? I mean, we think things get a little unusual on Vancouver Island. You get some of those smaller islands, there's just a different vibe there. And in popular culture... Uh, spirituality usually has some kind of mystical vibe to it. You know, maybe you meditate or you've got a dream catcher hanging from the from the rear view mirror of your car or you believe in ghosts or spirits or probably, uh, you know, you, you want a connection with nature, you know, mother earth, and you maybe sing to the apple trees in the spring or whatever you do. Uh, uh, you know, and maybe you get energy from crystals or butterflies, you, uh, you know, all of these things. And spiritual people in that way can be, unusual. They can do some unusual things. But you know what? Even in church, many people think that being spiritual or being spirit, uh, spirit-filled probably means you're a little unusual or participate in some unusual things. And depending on how long you've been, you know, hanging around church or what you've been exposed to, especially in Pentecostal churches or charismatic churches, you might think that being spiritual or, or being spirit-filled really means being loud and emotional uh, in your worship, you know, raising your hands, maybe maybe dancing, swaying with the music. It, it, it might think you know that, that being spiritual is it's all about speaking in tongues or or having visions or or prophetic words that sort of thing. Uh, maybe it's about you know shaking or crying or even falling down and making strange noises i mean there's all kinds i we've we've seen it in fact i've experienced it but sometimes we think that's what being spiritual or being spirit filled Is all about. So, so whether you're inside the church or outside of the church, I think sometimes the understanding of what it means to be spiritual is that you just believe and do what normal people think is weird. Because spirituality is mystical, it's emotional, it's spiritual. Right? Well, this assumption that spirituality equals mysticism I think is unfortunate for a couple of reasons. Number one is because people see weird stuff and go, you know what, if that's what being spiritual is all about, I'm out. I don't want to engage with that. I'm not interested in spirituality or, or the Holy Spirit because it's just weird. You know, it's, it's, it's strange. It's, it's it's this emotional stuff. Or on the other hand, people dive into the emotional, they dive into the mystical, and they're all about the experience. And the stranger, the better, because that's what it means to be spiritual. And so that's what they focus on. That's what they pursue. That's what they expect. And the problem with both of those extremes is that both groups miss out on the genuine work of the Holy Spirit in their life. The first group, because they think uh, what they think is the real thing, puts them off of the real thing. They don't want anything to do with it. The second is is that they really miss the fullness of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in their life. And, And both groups actually have put the Holy Spirit in a box a box of their expectations, the box of their assumptions, that being spiritual or uh, spirit-filled is emotionalism. Now, please understand me. One of the things that I love about being a follower of Jesus is that my relationship with God through the Holy Spirit is not just some abstract, cerebral, conceptual, theological Idea. God is real. He's a person. We experience and we encounter Him. So it's not just a cerebral thing, but it's also more than just an emotional experience. Dr. Andrew Andrew Gabriel, who is a Pentecostal scholar, uh, who teaches at our Pentecostals. Uh, College and Seminary in Saskatoon says this, I think it's very interesting that when the Bible mentions experiencing the Spirit, it rarely discusses what the experience was like or the motions it might have aroused. Instead, the focus is placed on the life-changing results of the experience. And when it comes to engaging in Holy Spirit's Conversation, friends. That's really where our focus needs to be as well. Now, you need to understand that when the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, we often do feel emotion. Some of you felt that when we worshiped this morning. You know, there was maybe just a joy in your heart, or or a sense of of peace. There, there, there might even been you know a, a, a tear that came to your eye. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I would say that's good. We experience love and joy and peace as an emotion. You know, they are not just ideas. We're physical beings, and you can't separate the physical from the spiritual or from the emotional. We're we're, we're holistic in that way. And we call emotions feelings because they're something you actually feel, right? Right? So, yeah, amen. So, when you read the New Testament, you see that people undoubtedly had emotional experiences when they encountered the Holy Spirit, I mean, the one that comes to mind obviously is on the day of Pentecost when, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120 disciples. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. You, you go to Acts, uh, you know, it says that some people stood there amazed and perplexed. You know, what can this mean? And others in the crowd said, ah, they're just drunk. So obviously there must have been something going on, right? Maybe a little exuberance. Maybe a little bit of joy, when my dad experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a young man, uh, he had been seeking the Holy Spirit for, for a long time, and uh, he was in a little Bible college uh, in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, and they'd gone to church that, that Sunday night, and it was a cold winter night, and they had tarried late, and uh, finally he had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and uh, him and two of his buddies had a walk home after that, and he said, "You know what? I was glad it was late, and the streets were empty because we probably looked pretty drunk. Uh, just the joy and the the fullness of God in their lives had just released something in them that was that was special it was It was memorable. but friends, our relationship with God is more than that, and it's also more than just." intellectual understanding. He's more than just an idea or a thought or theology. God is a real person, and, and, and he's personal, and we can expect to experience his person in a very tangible way. And sometimes those experiences we have for the Holy Spirit are, are powerful. They can, be, they can be emotional. They, they can affect us physically. And sometimes we just feel that, that deep sense of peace or that deep sense of love. Sometimes we feel an exuberant joy that just has to get expressed. Sometimes we actually get so overwhelmed by the glory and the presence of God that we can't stand up. And I've experienced that. Sometimes we weep. Sometimes there's just this overwhelming sense of God on us. And friends, in those moments, God through his spirit just becomes very real. We come to know God in a new and powerful way. We experience the reality of his presence in us and around us and our understanding of God's greatness and our understanding of who he is, his power, his majesty is is just exploded in our hearts and in our minds. And really that's the point. It's not about the emotion. It's not about the experience. Just like in scripture, the focus needs to be placed on the life-changing results of the experience. This fresh revelation and understanding of who God is, the reality of him in our lives, his closeness, his imminence to us, his power, and his glory that marks us. My dad always used to say to me, you know, especially when I was a young guy who was hungry for encounters with the Holy Spirit, he would say, I don't care how high you jump, what matters is how straight you walk when you come down. One of the problems we've had in our Pentecostal circles is that at times I think we've made it more about the experience. We've made it about the emotion, the the thrill of the fill, (laughs) the manifestation. And it's had people chasing experience or it's scared people off from a genuine encounter and relationship with the Holy Spirit. But friends, friends, Having emotional experiences is not what a life oriented towards the spirit is about. It's about coming to know God in a new and powerful way. It's about life change. It's about intimacy. It's about empowerment. So being spirit-filled is not about or just about emotion or mystical experiences. Uh, Here's another misconception about being spirit-filled. Being spirit-filled is about being a spiritual winner. Uh, It's about walking in victory. It's about living large in the spirit, okay? And some of us would have this idea that if you're truly spiritual or or spirit-filled, man, you're going to be blessed. Your life is going to be free of disappointments and hardship. You're going to experience health and you're going to experience blessing. You're going to have a good life because you've tied into the supernatural abundance of the Holy Spirit. But if that is true, then the corollary is also true. If you're going through some rough stuff in your life, if you face some disappointments or maybe some health issues, some hardships, some setbacks, it's because you're not spiritual. It's because you're not spirit-filled. It's because you don't have faith. You don't have enough faith maybe to deal with the attack of the enemy. You've just got to have more faith. Now, back in the day, uh, this used to be called uh, prosperity teaching or or word-faith theology, and it came in different sizes and shapes. Uh, But the main idea was that God... Desires all Christians to prosper in every area of their life, and of course, the emphasis often seemed to be placed on finances and uh, physical health. And again, some followers of Jesus dove into this. The focus of their spiritual life, the focus of their walk with Jesus, seemed to be about you know getting rich and living large. That was that was the point. Uh, kind of just basically seemed to baptize and sanctify uh, the American dream. But some Christians got really hurt by this because they tried to buy in, but then they ended up walking through some stuff in their life that didn't line up with what they were being taught. You know, It didn't work for them, maybe financially, or it didn't work for them with their own health. And, and so a lot of people got disillusioned, uh, became distrustful of the church, distrustful of things of the Spirit. And then, of course, other Christians... We're watching some of this, and they got really nervous about anything to do with faith, anything to do with being blessed or the blessing of God, anything to do with healing. And because of that, they just got put off, right? And, and they missed the very real blessing of God in their lives. In fact, some even began to glorify po- poverty or, or hardship or suffering, Because sometimes what we think is the real thing puts us off the real thing, right? Well, what's the real thing? As spirit-filled followers of Jesus, we can and should expect that God is going to work in our lives. Wow, you're a quiet bunch. Uh, let me say it again. As spirit-filled followers of Jesus, we can and should expect that God is going to work in our lives. You know, I didn't think that was such a radical statement when I wrote it, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. I mean, if, it, if, if, if we don't, why pray? I, you know, <laughs> we, we not only can expect, but friends, we should expect that God is actually going to work in our lives and in our circumstance. Because that's who God God is interested about you. God knows you. God loves you. My hope is built on nothing less. I love what uh, Gordon Fee said. He was a great Pentecostal scholar, and he was a critic of the prosperity gospel. But he said this, most Christians' expectation level when it comes to the miraculous is somewhere between zero and minus five. Ouch. But it's true. And some of it is a reaction to some of the excesses that we have seen with some word faith stuff somewhere back in our. Faith. Friends, as people of the Spirit, we need to raise our expectations. We need to believe and live the truth that Jesus is our provider. We need to believe and live the truth that God wants to bless his children. We need to believe and live the truth that Jesus still heals today. Yes. Friends, we're commanded to pray for the sick. We're commanded to pray for people to be healed. James says this in, in 4 15, uh, 14 and 15. He says, Any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. That's what the Bible says. But sometimes prayer and faith is, you know, it's kind of the last resort. It's like the guy who was admitted to the hospital with serious chest pains and the pastor showed up and said, hey, can I pray with you? And he said, oh no, has it come to that? But at the same time, we need to understand that regardless of how holy a person is, how spiritual a person is, how spirit-filled a person is, no matter how hard you pray, how much faith you have, miracles don't always happen. Just look at the life of the Apostle Paul. You read stories like this in, in Acts chapter 19, where, where he was pastoring and implanting the church in Ephesus, and it says that God gave Paul power the to perform unusual miracles. These were extraordinary miracles. It says, when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty crazy. Like, wow. And... What's amazing or unusual about that is not for miracles or healings to happen. What's unusual was how the miracles were happening. That these pieces of cloth that came in contact with, with Paul, when they touched somebody, would bring healing. Other places in scripture talks about how Peter, when he would walk, his shadow would see people heal. How does that? I don't know. that's unusual. Another time Paul was preaching and a kid from the youth group fell asleep. Fell out of the third story window. See, that's why all of our youth sit on the main floor. (laughs) Because when they do fall asleep, they don't have far to fall. But Eunuchus fell out of the window, Dead. Paul raised him from the dead. You know, that's pretty amazing stuff. Hey, buddy, what what happened at youth group last night? I died. (laughs) Paul raised him from the dead, and the, the service kept going. I mean, amazing stuff. Paul saw amazing stuff in his life and in his ministry. But Paul also experienced illness. And there were times where he and his team were not healed. You read this little snippet in Galatians where he says to the church there, remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. And it's not just, oh, I was under the weather, but no, he was sick. His friend Timothy had frequent illnesses. And in fact, Paul's word to him was, you know, just don't pray harder, but you know, do something physical for your ailment. His buddy Trophimus was left behind on a missions trip I always ask Pastor Ryan when the Bella Bella team comes back how many people did we lose and usually if you know we've if we've only lost two or three where we feel like we're doing good so you know not all of them come back no I'm kidding We do manage to bring them back, but Trophimus uh, got left behind sick. Uh, Epaphroditus, another one of, of Paul's workers, was so sick that he almost died. You know, why didn't they get healed? I'm sure Paul prayed for them. I'm sure others prayed for them. The truth is that we live between the times, friends. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is here, but the kingdom is still coming in its fullness. And as followers of Jesus, we look forward to the day. We look forward to the day when we will see him, when he will transform and change everything, when the full resurrection power of Jesus will be released in its glory. Friends, that is great hope. That is the great hope of followers of Jesus, that one day all disease and all pain and all death will be vanquished. But until then, life can be difficult. And as Larry Hart said, it takes great faith to continue trusting, thanking, praising, and serving the Lord when the healing doesn't come as we desire. And in fact, in those moments, we can trust the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, to be particularly active in our lives. But that doesn't mean we stop believing, it doesn't mean that we stop praying. You know, we need to pray. We need to keep on praying. We need to pray in faith because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of healing and healings and miracles are gifts that the Spirit brings to the church. And I think sometimes we don't see miracles because we don't ask or believe. So we need to shake ourselves out of that false expectation Another misconception about being spirit-filled. We're going to wrap this up. Number three, being spirit-filled is about being a perfect Christian. (laughs) Yeah, I wish. Ah, yes. You know, some think, you know, if you are really a spirit-filled, spiritual Christian, then you are going to be like one of those new Teflon-coated frying pans. You know, they're just going to be nothing bad stick to you. Or what's that? What's that new coating they they have now? You know, it's it, you know, it's like you're not nothing's going to stick. You know, you're never going to get dirty. You're always going to have a smile even on the stormy days. You're never going to lose your cool with your kids. You're going to overcome all temptation with ease. You're never going to sin. You're going to walk around with this holy look on your face. And you know, if you look really hard, you can see the halo. You know, just like on those old pictures, paintings. You know, if we had some backlighting here, you know, we, you might see mine. But Yeah, well, we'll work on the lighting for next week, but uh, you know, that that's this this understanding that we have and frankly that expectation can be really discouraging. And it's why some of us never pursue a relationship with the Holy Spirit, because we feel like we're blowing it, or that we're gonna blow it. But friends, the presence of the Spirit in our lives doesn't mean that we will be perfect. It doesn't mean that we'll never make mistakes. And the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives isn't because we are perfect, or because we never sin. Holy Spirit's present in our life because of God's grace. I read something by John Ortberg a while back. He said Christians burn grace like jet planes burn fuel. <laughs> jet fuel. You know, like it's because of God's grace. And part of what the Holy Spirit does in our life is to help us become the people that God wants us to be. The Holy Spirit is actually there to help us become holy, okay? Check out Galatians 5. Paul writes, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And then notice this. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Did you catch that? The the Holy Spirit actually gives us the desire to live good. Changes us on the inside that, that there is a supernatural motivation, a supernatural power that comes from the inside that we can lean into to live good. We can lean into it to, to live godly lives. Because friends, the, the Holy Spirit, number one, makes us aware of sin pricks our conscience, pricks our heart, but the Holy Spirit also helps us overcome sin because when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, he starts to grow things on the inside like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, and that list is not exhaustive. All of those good things that the Holy Spirit begins to work in us by his presence. And so when that person at work stabs us in the back, you know, we don't have to lose it. You know, we can exercise some self-control. The the Holy Spirit can can help us with that. You know, when you when your when your wife is driving you crazy, my wife never does, but your wife, you know, you can respond with patience. You know, when somebody sins against us, we can be gentle. And when we do that, friends, we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. We exhibit holiness in our character because the Holy Spirit is, is helping us on the inside. Not only identifying when things that, that, that need to change, but giving us the desire and actually empowering us to begin to walk it out as we lean into him. But being spirit-filled doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. So don't be surprised or disappointed if at times you struggle with sin. And don't be surprised or disappointed if some followers of Jesus are around you who you think you sh- they sh- should know better struggle at times. I appreciate what Pastor Judge Wilhite said. Most of us will circle around the same personality and sin patterns throughout our lives. God's Spirit can bring victory, but this doesn't mean these patterns won't rear their heads again in different seasons, especially when we are vulnerable. there's just just stuff there that the Holy Spirit just kind of wants to keep working on. Keep working on. And friends, when we're in those vulnerable moments... That's when we need to lean into the Spirit. Don't run from the Spirit. Lean into the Spirit. Ask our worship team to come back, and I want us to sing King of My Heart, especially that second verse again. Friends, sometimes what we think is the real thing puts us off the real thing. And. I think that's true when it comes to this reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what is your attitude? What is your posture toward the Holy Spirit? Are you you leaning in? Or would you say, you know, Pastor, somehow I think I've kind of been put off. And if that's you this morning, you need to understand that being spirit-filled is not really about emotional or mystical experiences, but emotional and mystical experiences are real. You need to understand that being spirit-filled is not about, you know, being a spiritual winner or always walking in victory, but we do live with anticipation of God working in our lives, and we seek him and we ask for it. Being spirit-filled is not about being a perfect Christian, but, friends, the Holy Spirit is at work in us, changing us from the inside out. Would you stand with me? If you're a follower of Jesus, if Jesus is in you, we need to lean in. When the wind begins to blow, friends, it's our job to hoist the sail. We need a hoist to hoist the sail. So just as we close this service now in these last few minutes, we're going to sing that second verse. And I just invite you to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to step into my life in a fresh way in this moment, if some of you have wrestled with some of the excesses that maybe you've seen, or if some of you have wrestled with some of the the hurt and the disillusionment that you've experienced, would you just be so bold in this moment to, to bring that to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I've been hurt by this. Would you bring healing to my heart? If you're fearful this morning of, you know, the Holy Spirit embarrassing you or having an encounter with this God that is so powerful, would you just have the courage in this moment to say, Holy Spirit, I trust you and I wanna trust you more, be at work in my life just pray those prayers as we sing this. There's a progression that I believe God is leading us on. And I want you to catch this. It starts with an awareness. We're talking about that last week. There, there needs to be an awareness that God is real, that God is here, that his spirit dwells in us. But it just can't stay as an awareness. It, there, there there needs to be a, an openness. And so if you're just kind of in that 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 spot of awareness, can I encourage you to step over to an openness? It's like, okay. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 open. But you know what? That's where a lot of us get stuck. Because I believe scripturally there's there's another step. We need to go from openness to hunger. And friends, that's my desire. I want more of Jesus. I want more of his spirit in my life. And I'm not seeking experience or emotional encounters. I'm just, I'm just hungry for a reality <laughs> that God's spirit is alive and me. <laughs> That i bring god's presence into my home i'm a blessing to my wife and my children and my family i bring that presence of god into the, to where i work in my neighborhood where i live that when i encounter people around me people that are hurting people that are broken people that are empty i could say hey i know what jesus i know a god he's real and he's active in my life there's something live within me that is bubbling there's that spring of living water that's just overflowing because I've experienced the life of Jesus and friends I hunger for that I long for that and I hunger for you I hunger for you so so so, if you're at the awareness some of you you're here you're like oh boy this is weird church you know maybe you're just maybe you're stepping into the awareness thing But but can you move from the awareness thing to the Openness, But can you even take a step further and eagerly desire the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Just, if you're comfortable, would you just raise your hands and say, Holy Spirit, we declare you are good. You are good. You are good. You are trustworthy. You are trustworthy. We trust you. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with all that we are. We trust you. We trust your work in us. We trust your work in us. And Holy Spirit, we just pray right now that we would experience all that you have for us. We invite you, we invite you to come in right now to our lives in a fresh way. We wanna be filled with you. We wanna be filled with your presence. We wanna be filled with your glory. We wanna be refilled with an awareness of your work in us. God, come, change us from the inside out. Do your work within us. Do your work within us. We trust you. We declare that you are good. You are good. You are good. You are good. Let's sing that second verse.